This is the Relevant Life Church podcast, where we are about connecting with God, relating to people, and reaching our world. Tune in as our church goes through this week's teaching in God's Word. see you this morning. Welcome to Relevant Life Church. I see new families, see old families, see families that have been on vacation forever and ever, and we're welcome. We're glad that you're home. I'm going to be going on vacation forever and ever here pretty soon, and I'm ecstatic about it, and you're probably ecstatic about it too. Going, he's going to be gone. Uh, Anyway, if you're here and you're visiting, welcome. Welcome to Relevant Life Church. We're a church that's passionate about Jesus. We're passionate about people. We're passionate about worship. We're passionate about the Word of God. Uh, we would love to be able to be more passionate about you by knowing you a little bit more. That sounds a little bit weird and strange there, I suppose, I guess. But uh, all, all right intentions there were... <laughs> Never mind, Kevin, just move on, right? Uh, there's a, if, if you have a cell phone, if you'd pull that cell phone out, there's a camera on that cell phone. In the front seat, front of you, if you're here and you want to make sure that we have information, would you scan that QR code? I had a question last week um, from someone that doesn't understand QR codes and they're going, I don't get this. You guys talk about this. Well, there's this fast, fancy little thing uh, called a camera on your phone. Uh, and this technology works that if you will hold the, the QR code in your camera, it'll pop up and you can click on it. It'll take you to our webpage. And so really fancy, right? Smooth, easy. And there's a, a guest card on there that we would love to be able to connect with you uh, if you can give us some, some information. And all you have to do is fill it out, hit submit. submit. You don't have to handle a piece of paper. Well, maybe Maybe the QR code, piece of paper, all that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, vacations are upon us. Uh, pastors are in and out, and Sarah was gone, and she's back. Uh, Marty and Julie are gone, were gone, and they're back. Trent and Allie are still gone. Sasser leaves this week. And uh, yeah, so it's like we're doing all the, the, the flip-flop of all the things that are happening in the middle of summer, just like you guys are doing, right? And I can tell you, thank you for taking vacation. It's important. And I'll also say thank you for letting us take vacation. It's important. And so as we disconnect and reconnect with God, I think that's really, really important. Remember, I always say this, you don't vacate from God, right? So wherever you go, he's always there. As you're gone, uh, remember him. Don't take a vacation from Jesus because he's the one that's going to replenish you. I want to remind you, too, that um, next Sunday, the 24th, everyone say the 24th. 24th, we have two really, really exciting announcements that we're going to be making, and we want you to be present. Um, if you're gone, you're going to miss it. Join us online, uh, but you're, it's going to be some really exciting stuff. How many know that God is alive, yeah. and God is moving, and God's doing some exciting stuff, and He's doing some really exciting stuff at Relevant Life Church, and so we want to be able to share um, those things and let you celebrate with us as we step into the fall of 2022 of great things that are ahead. And uh, can I tell you it's refreshing? How many feel refreshing, some refreshment when you're like going, finally, we get to move forward? Finally, there's something happening. And I can tell you, God's always been working, right? He's never, we may have been a little bit disconnected from his working, but God's always been working. And so we're excited to be able to be part of that. We're in the middle of our series, Emotions. Everyone say Emotions. Dreaded emotions or happy emotions, whatever it might be, one of the bylines, the statements that we have read over and over again is emotions cause tension. Everyone say tension. Tension. Say, give me some tension. Come on, give me some tension. You guys don't like, come on, give me some tension. 
Today we're going to create some tension, I hope. Emotions cause tension in us, and they cause tension in others. I don't know about you, but there's times that my emotion can create an uneasiness tension in my life. It can create uh, things that I don't, makes me feel things that I don't want to feel. Anybody have emotions? You're like, I don't want to feel this right now. I don't like this feeling. I don't like this emotion. I don't, I don't like what it's causing me to do in my behavior and my actions. But not only do Emotions cause tension in you and I, they cause tension in others. So sometimes when we expose our emotions or we share our emotions, you can, if you're aware, self-aware as well, and as aware of others, you're going to see kind of like their eyes glaze over or get big and like, oh, you just freak me out. I got to go now. <laughs> Anybody ever feel that when someone shares emotions with you? Right? I mean, it was like going, ah, no, I'm checking out right now. Thank you. Uh, but can I tell you that emotions, this tension that you and I feel is a tension that we don't want to eliminate. This tension that we feel in emotions is a tension that you and I need to learn to embrace. We need to learn to embrace. We need to learn to manage in our lives, not eliminate it, because emotions are of God. When God designed you and me, when God created the heavens and the earth and seven days into it, he created man and he said, it is good. He created us in his image. And so therefore, because you and I have emotions, God has emotions. We can look out throughout scripture and there's emotions of sadness and happiness and joy and anger. We can see all these emotions that God has. But how many know that in God, God, all, in God his emotions are always in the perfect he knows how to manage them. He knows how to handle them. There's never any abuse of emo his emotions. Can I tell you this? That God designed us to be able to control and to handle and to, to manage the emotions in our own lives. And so that's why this journey is so important for us. Because uh, as a result of just life, but as a result of COVID, we've noticed that there's a lot of emotions that are out of whack. And we're wanting to come and speak to that fact because God wants us to not bury our emotions. He wants us to live in our emotions. He wants us to manage our emotions. He wants us to handle them correctly. As we've noticed over the last several weeks that there are eight basic emotions that, that psychologists have come up with, and that's joy, trust, fear, surprise, sadness, disgust, anger, and anticipation. All these different emotions that all of us have experienced them, whether they're good or whether they're bad, we've experienced these emotions. How many can go, no, I felt those emotions? How many can say that you felt all eight of those emotions this week? Maybe this morning. Like, watch out spouse, right? Just be careful because... Uh, but not only are there these eight, but there was a psychologist that created this emotions wheel. Uh, again, a, a doctor who's trained, which I think is so important for us to understand. Not that I, I believe there's a psychology of emotions and there's a theology of emotions. And I can tell you today that it's so important for us to understand both of them. Amen? And so when we think about the, the, the psychology of emotion, the, the middle circle there where you see joy, trust, fear, surprise, that's the eight basic emotions. But if you go inward, there's an intensity of emotion. And maybe you have felt joy and you've gone to ecstasy. Maybe you have felt anger and you have felt rage. Maybe whatever, but there is an intensity of those. That God gave us this, these basics of emotions and if we don't learn to manage them correctly, they're going to they're gonna, uh, uh, be seen in, in negative behaviors. We can look out on the outer circles uh, that are there, and you can see the combination, not the petals that go out, the outer circles, as well as the, the spaces in between where they're, com where they're combined. 
the reality is this, is that we all feel. Everyone say, I feel. I feel. We all feel. And it's learning to understand and recognize what are you feeling and why are you feeling it. Everyone say, why? why? It's so important to understand why. Because I can tell you that sometimes we're going to feel an emotion and we're going to have a behavior with that emotion. And if we would step back and go, why am I feeling this? We're going to see that usually it's not caused by someone outside of us. It's caused by something inside of us. And if we can resolve that inside of us, we're going to walk in a managed behavior of our emotions. This word emotions is a mental reaction, a strong feeling that arises. It has a physiological and it has a a behavioral change in our body. When you feel joy, there's going to be a physiological and a behavior change. When you feel anger, there's going to be a physiological and a behavior change. For us to understand that that you're not just a robot... You're not just a a monotone being. There is highs and lows. That's what makes you what you are. Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 5, he says, walk by the Spirit. Everyone say, walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. That's our goal. That's our desire is that we're walking by the Spirit, and you're not going to gratify the desires of the flesh. And Paul goes on in this saying that your flesh is going to fight with your spirit, and your spirit's going to fight with your flesh, and they're in opposition. And I can tell you this, that that opposition is going to be in your life the remainder of your life. It's not something that's going to be absolved. It's not something that's going to be moved away. When you come to Jesus and you say, Jesus, take this away, he's going to go, no, there's a flesh and there's a spirit. And there's a choice. Everyone say, there's a choice. How many have discovered that, that you can choose to walk in the spirit or you can choose to walk in the flesh? So the premise today is spirit-guided people live in freedom. But emotionally driven people live in chaos. As I look at the culture today, as I look at people around me, as I look at relationships and family members at times, there's, there's chaos. Anybody ever see the chaos? Situations happen and there's chaos. A situation happened in our family this week and there was emotional chaos. It, wasn't, it didn't happen in our immediate home, but it happened on the outskirts. And how many know that when there's chaos in, in people's lives outside, that chaos can either be invited into your life or you can go, no, I'm not going to let the chaos come in. You know what I'm talking about? Am I the only one that lets chaos into my life? Anyone else, anyone else feel chaos sometimes? Thank you. Thanks for being honest. So, but today, the God, God's desire for you and me is to bring freedom. God's desire is that we live in freedom and in health. Today, I want to preach a message. I titled it at first, Why Am I Afraid? I'm going to say why. Why I am afraid. And rather than, rather than I shifted it this morning, and I, 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 go to, I think I put it on the, the, no, the, the title page slide. Yeah, I think it says, oh, yeah, I did. I underlined when. Okay. When I am afraid. Everyone say when. When, when I am afraid. You know, oftentimes we come back and go, well, no, I'm not afraid. I never get afraid. How many would ever say that you are not fearful, that you never get afraid? (laughs) Nothing ever unsettles you. Nothing ever scares you. When I'm afraid. I came to this place of going, uh, we all feel fear from one level or another, whether we go to rage or whether we go to anxiety and worry and distress, whatever it might be, we all feel fear. We all feel fear. So today, when... I feel afraid. I can tell you that fear probably is one of the biggest things that brings internal chaos and sometimes can bring relational chaos. Because our fear, even though it's internal, 
is going to come out in a physiological and behavioral pattern, right? Just like anger is. Anger does the same thing, but fear does not just impact you, it impacts somebody else. Do you ever feel fear? Do you ever battle with fear? What is it that causes you to be afraid? I want you to do some evaluation this morning as you begin to think about it. Have you seen the damage of fear in your life or the fear in someone else's life? How many have seen the damage that it causes in people's lives about fear, with fear, right? Today, I want to talk about the illustration. You can go to my little fancy picture there. There you go. Uh, this is me when I was yesterday. <laughs> right? <laughs> I sit in my bed at night. Honey, hold me. <laughs> I know this morning I look fearless, right? I'm not Thor himself, but look like Thor, right? <laughs> I'm fearless. I, you look and you go, well, no, he's got it all together. But can I tell you that I myself at times encounter and experience fear. I experience fear. I experience those moments of unsettling But there was this time in my life that I let fear dominate me. You know what I'm talking about? I let fear torment me. When I was a child, I grew up and I was afraid. I was the youngest of four boys. And I was afraid of the dark. Now, there's a lot that goes into that because I had three older brothers. They'd brought a lot of torment. So the reason I'm in counseling today is because of my older siblings. They caused all those issues in my life. But, you know, I can tell you that uh, there was a, I had a, I had a fear of the dark. Do you remember that? Anybody honest enough to go, you know, when you were a kid that you were afraid of the dark? (laughs) You're afraid of the dark, you know, and it's like every creek is someone walking. Every shutter of the window is someone coming in. Can I tell you, you know, remember those moments when you're thinking there and you're laying in bed and you hear those noises and you're hearing someone breathe? And then you discover it's you, <laughs> right? And you're like going, someone's right, they're right there. Oh, that's me. I have this picture in particular because the trauma of my childhood, the youngest of four boys, this never happened when my parents were around, but my parents would go and my brothers would watch me. And so it'd be time for me to go to bed. And we had an old farmhouse that creaked and man, I'm telling you, it creaked. And there were, there were, there were demons in that house. <laughs> fabricated in my head, but you know, there were these monsters all over the place. And I remember being, going to bed and I was in bed before everyone else. It was my bedtime and it was pitch black. And I remember going up the stairs knowing that it was going to happen because I had the habit or the pattern had been there, but uh, there was a bed, my bed, and it was a higher bed where someone could lay underneath my bed. You know, it's like, you, you know, you're like going, is there a monster underneath the bed? And you have this fabricated. And uh, I did have monsters underneath my bed. His name was Greg. My brother, you know, I mean, they would lay underneath the bed and go, Kevin, it's time for bed. And I'm like going, I know you're there. And I would run from the door, literally. And I would be screaming the entire time, knowing they're there. And a hand would come up from underneath and it would grab my leg as I'm midair. And I would wet the bed almost, probably. I don't know. But I can tell you there was torment. Anybody understand? Can you feel my trauma? That's why I'm in counseling today. It's why my wife has to hold me when I go to sleep at night. <laughs> it's why at 58 years old, last night, I'm sitting there going, Rhonda, are you hiding under the bed? No. <laughs> I 
No, whatever fear it is, can I tell you that whether it's a rational fear or an irrational fear, fear is very, very real. Am I agreed? Fear's real. You know, today I don't have, an, I maybe a little bit of irrational fear, but I hate snakes. I can see them, but I don't want to touch them, and I don't want you to touch them and touch me. <laughs> right? I hate rodents. Rodents. Hamsters are rodents, and they should all die with mice and all that other stuff. Guinea pigs should not be alive. They're rodents. Can I tell you today, we have these things called pets, and they're not pets, they're rodents. And there is a place for rodents, and that's not on this planet or in my life. What I've realized, though, is this. In studying about fear, psychologists say that there are two fears that are innate to all people. There's the fear of falling, and there's the fear of loud noises. So today, you were born with the fear of falling and the fear of a loud noise. Those are those things that are part of us, that God designed you and I with those two fears. The thing that's amazing to me is this, that every other fear that we have in our life are learned fears. They're fears that we've allowed somehow, some way to come in and dominate our lives and shape our behaviors, shape how we function, shape how we live. Fear, fear manifests itself in many ways. Some of those fears can be as serious as a panic attack. There's defined such as a sudden or a brief episode of intense fear, a phobia that's a persistent, irrational fear uh, that we feel that are there. They're actually saying that there's 400 recognized phobias that, people, that doctors actually treat today in our culture. But more than just a normal sense of fear, I want to say and present to you this morning that our culture is frantic with fear. Our culture is frantic with fear. They may not say, I am afraid, but their behavior is, I am afraid. We can look as a result of COVID and we can see all the different areas of life and there's still a low sense of fear and some in places a high sense of fear. That people are fearful of whatever it is. Fear is defined as this, an unpleasant strong emotion caused by anticipation or awareness of danger. Everyone say awareness of danger. We're anticipating it whether, whether it's there or not. We may be anticipating danger or else there's an awareness of danger. Maybe there's this idea that pain or threat could be coming to our homes or to our lives or to our family, and we're aware of it, so therefore it creates this fear sense within us. Zig Ziglar says this. He gave us this, the, the acrostic of fear. He says, the false evidence, uh, false evidence appearing real. Most of the time when we think of fear, fear is, uh, when we're afraid of something, fear is oftentimes a perceived fear. Not an actual fear, not a fear of danger. Just like me in my bed when I was a child, perceiving that someone was there, perceiving that I'm hearing noises that are really not there. But how many know that for you to convince yourself that all of that is irrational is very difficult at times? This false evidence appearing real. And all of us today, whether you are afraid of the dark or afraid of a snake or afraid of whatever it might be, we all have those fears. Many times they're false evidences of something that appears real to us. Therefore, it creates a, an emotion within our lives. One psychologist says there is a rampant, free-floating anxiety hovering over society. A free-floating sense of anxiety that regardless of what it might be, maybe today is that fear of, of the market falling and you have a sense of 
anxiety that you're going to lose all of your retirement. Maybe there is an anxiety as you get in a car that you might get hit by a car or there might be an accident. Now, I don't want to go to a place of none of those things are possible, but can I tell you that many times fear, this false evidence appearing real, robs us of living life in normalcy. How many have discovered that? That you put a lot of emotional energy in something that you fear that really is not real. This free-floating anxiety, the most common, common uh, of form of fear in our society today is anxiety. And the percentages are in 62%, 60, 62 to 65% across America. Highest than it's ever been of this form of anxiety, which is fear. The term of anxiety is a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease. Today, I don't want to come and define what kind of fear you're in or what kind of fear you're experiencing, but I do want you to understand that all of us do feel it. God created us to feel fear. God created that there's a positive fear, and there's also a negative fear. So we want to dive into that today. There's a story in the Old Testament in Joshua. Uh, Joshua, if it, is anybody, are people familiar with the story of Joshua? Joshua was second in command to Moses, and Moses had died at the end of Deuteronomy and God shows up to Joshua and he says, Joshua, it's now your job to take these millions of Israelites across the water into the promised land. And he gives him this long speech and this long dialogue. And can, I can just imagine thinking here, Joshua, probably in his 30s is what they're thinking. Joshua is, is tasked with leading over a million people into a land that, that is filled with giants and filled with armies and filled with walled cities. Not only is he afraid of what is there, but can you imagine the fear and intrepidation that he was feeling, the insecurity of following a man like Moses, a, Moses, a man who parted the river or part of the sea and they walked across on dry land, a man who with his staff facilitated 10 different plagues, this man, this leader, this man of God that shined with the glory of God, the Bible says. And here Joshua's coming and going, God's going, Joshua, I pick you. And Joshua immediately is going, I can't. I'm insecure. I'm fearful. Anyone feel that tension? Here's we see this, and uh, this is the last state, last last time that that God speaks it. But all the way through up to verse nine, God repeats a statement to Joshua, and I'm going to read it in verse nine. It says, "Have I not commanded you, God?" God says, "Have I not commanded you? Be strong. Everyone say, be strong. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid." Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Would you read this with me this morning? Let's start with the be strong. Everyone, one, two, three. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Man, you guys did great. Can I tell you today that what's so important about this passage of Scripture that we need to understand the context of this fear. We, we, we understand the context of the fear, but we also understand that here uh, Joshua and the Hebrew children had every right to feel fear. God's not coming and saying, don't feel fear. He's coming and saying, don't let fear direct you. Don't let fear guide you. Don't let fear be the thing that either makes aware or prevents you from doing what you need to do. God wasn't telling, telling him not to fear. God is, fear is a natural response. God knew they would feel fear. Today, God knows you're going to feel fear. 
He was telling them not to wallow in fear. He was telling them not to choose fear. He was telling them not to make friends with fear. He was telling them not to entertain fear. He was telling them not to engage fear. Can I tell you what happens in our lives is it's not wrong for us to feel fear. But how many in this room can be honest enough to say you've wallowed in fear from time to time? How many in this room have engaged fear when it comes? We've allowed fear to overtake our minds, overtake our attitudes. Just because you feel fear doesn't mean you have to be afraid. Just because you have fear doesn't mean that fear has to have you. The reality is, is this, fear is an emotion. Fear is there. Fear will be present. It's not a sin to feel fear. It's not a sin to feel anger as we looked last week. It's what you do with that fear as you walk, out of, walk it out in life. Paul comes in 2 Timothy, and he says this to Timothy. He says, for God did not give us a spirit of fear. Can I tell you today, I truly believe, I truly, it's changed my focus even this last week because I've studied, I truly believe that there is a spirit of fear over the United States of America. I believe there's a spirit of fear over the world where there's an anxiety and there is an angst. And I would ask you this morning, have you a given place to the spirit of fear in your life? I will be transparent. There are times in my life that I have allowed the spirit of fear, of terror, of despair to come in and take over my life. Seasonal, sometimes long seasons of time. But today, God, Paul comes, and he's a bearer of, of the words of the Holy Spirit. He says, for God did not give us a spirit of fear. He didn't give you a spirit of torment. He didn't give you a spirit of terror. He didn't give you a spirit that runs over your life and takes away joy. But this is what he did give. He did give you a spirit of power. See, I have power. You have power. It's a spirit of love. Say, I have love. And he gave you a sound mind. Say, I have a sound mind. Can I tell you, when you're in this battle of fear, there's chaos. There is not freedom. Paul right now is speaking about a freedom that you can walk in. A freedom that fear wants to rob from you. Fear wants to cause you to be in chaos. Fear wants to keep you away from what God has for your life. David David also experienced this idea of fear. And he says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. And what did he do? He delivered me from all my fears. Can I tell you today that when you have a fear, God's not going, oh, I am so tired of you in fear. I am so tired. Can I, I, thank God I'm not, thank God I'm not God, right? Anybody else out there? Well, we can get perturbed by someone's fears. God in his grace and his mercy, he's just going, if you would come to me, I will take away your fears. I didn't give you fear. I didn't give you this ability to live by fear. So today I want to give you three points. Number one, the problem of fear. What I've discovered about fear is that fear is very vicious in its nature. Fear is very vicious in its nature. He is looking for a victim to attack. It does not care who you are. It doesn't care where you are. Fear attacks people of all ages, all colors, all economic levels, and all backgrounds. Fear can attack, uh, can attack for no perceived reason. Fear in itself 
can alert you to something that is, can bring terror that is real or will alert you to something that is false and very not real. Fear is a problem because it causes us to focus on our circumstances that, are, that blow them out of proportion. How many realize that when you begin to focus on your fear, the problem gets bigger and bigger and bigger? The what-ifs become bigger and bigger and bigger. The outcome becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. The reality is this as Christ followers. There may be a hundred reasons to be afraid, but this is what is so important. There's one reason not to be, and his name is God. This God who is for us, who is not against us. This God that will never leave us nor forsake us. That's what God is actually telling Joshua when he says, be strong, be courageous. Don't be discouraged. Don't look at what's happening or what's going to happen. Don't think too much ahead. Why? Because I will never leave you. And how many know today, I think what happens is we oftentimes make our fear bigger than God. We make our uncertainty bigger than God, and we need to go back to what is certain, and God is certain. The problem of fear is that fear clouds our perspectives. It distorts, it distracts, it disables. Fear also can derail us from purpose. We see in 1 uh, 1 Samuel chapter 1 where David overthinks the process of Saul, and fear was keeping David from his purpose of being king. Fear can compromise you from making wise decisions. How many know that fear inhibits our decision-making? We begin to make decisions based upon our fear, based upon reality. Not only can fear disrupt our lives, but fear will eventually unsettle those around you. Fear, this problem of fear. The reality is this. We can't avoid fear, but we can keep it from overtaking us. We can't avoid circumstances that are going to cause us to feel uneasy, but we can choose to be easy in God. Number two, understanding fear. Just so you understand, just so you are clarified, the enemy's agenda for your life is to consume and deter you from from purpose. And if he can come in and he can deter your purpose with fear and anxiety and dread and the what-ifs, he's won. What we realize about fear, there's always a negative and a positive, and thankfully there's this practical sense of fear that we have a, should have a healthy fear of electricity that if you put a paperclip in an outlet, it's going to shock you, and you're going, no, you should be afraid of that. That shouldn't be something you do. That there should be a healthy fear of snakes. If you're like snakes, you're stupid. <laughs> Are you going to go crawl in a cage with a rattlesnake? Just saying. They bite you once. You almost die. They bite you again. You deserve to die. (laughs) Just kidding. There should be a healthy fear of guns. There should be a healthy fear of a vehicle, right? We can think about the power that's at our at our in our fingertips, but there should be the practical aspects. But the Bible speaks of two kinds of fear. Number one, there's a healthy response. Everyone say healthy. There's a healthy response, and the first healthy response or the, the healthy response, excuse me, is what we're going to call the fear of the Lord. We can see all throughout Proverbs. We can see all throughout Old Testament primarily, but this thing called the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 9.10 says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Today, if you do not fear the Lord, that means you have zero wisdom. Today in our culture, when we think of people that don't have a fear of God himself, can I tell you, you shouldn't be following the blind because they're going to lead you into the ditch. There's lack of wisdom. 
You want wisdom? You want wisdom in your life? You want to be a wise person on your job? Begin to fear God. Fear God. Ecclesiastes 12, 13 says this, fear, and keep, fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Today, when you look at what's my responsibility to God, my responsibility to God is to fear him and to obey him. Simple, right? Fear and obey. Fear and obey. When we talk about this idea of fear, we're not talking about intrepidation. We're talking about a reverence. We're talking about a respect. We're talking about an awe. To realize that God himself is awesome and God himself is majestic. When we come and we talk about worship this morning and you're worshiping the Lord and you're encountering his presence, most of the time it's not, hopefully it's not flippant. That when you're singing these songs about the God that you and I serve, you're stepping back going, no, this God is a God of character. This God is a God of mercy. I deserve judgment and he gives mercy. I deserve banishment and he gives acceptance. Scripture also talks about an unhealthy response. That's where I want to focus this morning. An unhealthy response. This fear is synonymous with dread, alarm, fright, apprehension, perplexity. You can see it all throughout Scripture uh, about the different types of fear that are there. First Kings chapter 19 is an epic, uh, epic example. We see this battle between Elijah and Ahab. Remember the battle of Elijah and Ahab? They're on the top of Mount Horeb, and uh, they've banished all all prophets from the land. His wife Jezebel is, is an evil person. Ahab is evil himself. They've set up all these false prophets and false, false gods. And Elijah calls all the prophets to the top of Mount Horeb and he says, okay, we're going to have a battle between the gods. And all these prophets for, for their God gather around and we're going to say, whoever wins is the one whose God is going to ignite this and consume this sacrifice. This epic battle that is taking place, and we can see that, that God wins. God wins, and God ends up uh, rebuking the, the drought and causes rain to come. And you think from this example that Elijah's like going, yes, wow, victory. But I want to tell you the very next chapter, rather than Elijah going to victory and success, this is his response. It says, now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done. And how he had killed the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me if, if ever so severely if by this tomorrow I don't make your life like one of them. Basically, if I don't, get you, if I don't kill you by tomorrow, you're going to be lucky. Elijah's response, rather than standing in faith, rather than standing and going, Look what my God just did. Elijah's response is like many of your and my response. Someone brings a threat, someone brings an intimidation, and Elijah says, it says in, Eli, in verse 3, it says, Elijah was afraid. Everyone say afraid. afraid. And he didn't say he stood and fought. It says he ran for his life. Today, you may not be a runner for your life in the sense of physically running from things, but can I tell you that many of us, out of fear, will retreat within ourselves? Many of us, out of fear, will retreat rather than allowing, rather than pushing forward on the mission of God. We step back because we're afraid of what a spouse might say or a family member might do or what our job might declare over us. It says he ran for his life, and when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. And he's not just running. He finally comes to this place to camp under a broom bush. 
And he sat down under and he prayed that God would just take his life. Can I tell you today, that may be an extreme of fear. You may not come and go, God, just take my life. But many of us live as if we don't have a life to live. We've allowed fear to come in and torment us and rob us of the purpose of God. So many people are afraid today. These are the top things that people are afraid of. They're fear of, afraid of living. They're afraid of dying. They're afraid of loving someone. They're afraid of laughing. They're afraid of adventure. They're afraid of not having money. They're afraid of losing the money they have. They're afraid of losing a spouse. They're even afraid of getting married. They're afraid of failure. They're afraid of having children. They're afraid of losing their children. The overarching fear in America today is the fear of rejection. Can I tell you, these fears, we can either step forward and we can embrace, or we can run from life. I know people in my life that have ran from the fear of having children because they're so afraid of having a child. I know people in my life that have ran from getting married because they're afraid of a commitment. I know people in my life that are afraid of changing a job to something that they are able to do because they're afraid of the transition. Whatever it might be, this irrational fear that we have given attention to that causes us to run from God's purposes. Today, I want to take the next few moments, and I want to tell you how we are to deal with fear. Everyone say, deal with fear. Ultimately, fear seeks to render us useless. Ultimately, the goal of the enemy is to make you useless. The goal of the enemy is to keep you from the purposes of God. The goal of the enemy is to go, uh, I'm not going to let them believe that they have a value. I don't want them to believe to be strong and courageous. I don't want them to realize that their God can do anything. Can I tell you that many of us don't pray prayers that you and I, that we should pray? We don't pray crazy prayers because we're afraid that God's not going to answer a crazy prayer. We pray prayers that we think that we can somehow figure out how to answer ourselves. Am I correct? And God says, no, I want you to pray crazy prayers. I want you to deal with this fear. I want you to realize that I am bigger than dealing with fear. God, in his scripture, commands us over 360 times that we are to not be afraid. The most used command all throughout scripture. You think God's trying to tell us something? Seriously, do you think God's trying to tell us something? The thing that's amazing to me is this. God's saying, don't be afraid. He's realizing humanity has a problem with fear. He's not coming and going, I condemn you for being fearful. Shame on you, child, for being fearful. Just buck up. Just be a man. He's going, don't be afraid. You're going to experience fear. Fear is going to happen. Society is going to bring things. The enemy is going to bring things. Fear is going to be present. But he comes back and says, don't be afraid. All throughout Scripture, we see God feels every, most all of these emotions. But what I've realized as I studied this week, God never feels fear. God never feels fear. Hear me today. God does not feel fear. So because God doesn't feel fear, can I tell you that we, don't, we shouldn't feel fear? Because if my God doesn't fear anything, He's not afraid of the enemy. He's not afraid of what if. Why? Because God's in control of everything. This God that you and I serve, he's fearless. That's what he comes in and goes, no, be strong. 
Be courageous, because I will never leave you. The circumstance may be fearful, but I'm not afraid. Derek Kidner makes this statement. He says, the fear of the Lord is the fear that puts all other fears in its place. We can either fear God or we can fear circumstances. And the problem is, is where's your focus? Where's your focus? What is it that's happened that's causing you to focus on the wrong thing? I can tell you many times if I were to hold, or often as we can get over focus, and I went to my counselor this week. Yes, I still go to counseling. Went to my counselor this week, and he I said, I'm struggling with this, and he pulled a red rock out of his dish by the side of me. He says, Kevin, I want you to stop thinking about this red rock. And the whole time he's describing this red rock and how smooth this red rock is, and what is my mind doing? Thinking about the red rock. He puts the red rock down and he picks up a spotted rock and he goes, Kevin, we don't, we don't just stop thinking. We need to refocus and think about something different. So he picks up a spotted rock and he starts to describe the spotted rock. Can I tell you oftentimes why we fear is because our focus gets obsessed with what we're fearing. And rather than being focused and obsessed with what we're fearing, we need to get focused and obsessed with the God who is fearless. Fear is real, but God is bigger. God's answer to fear is this thing called courage. Everyone say courage. courage. This thing called courage. Courage is connected to faith. We oftentimes say it's faith, but can I tell you, faith and courage are connected together. Courage and faith are this open door to God's greatness, His favor, His blessing, His provision, His miracle. The very definition of courage is a mental or moral strength to persevere. Everyone say persevere. And withstand danger. The ability to act in spite of fear. What you battle fear with is that it, fear is present and you step up and go, I'm going to be courageous. What fear is telling you not to do, unless it's put your finger in a socket, you need to do. What fear is trying to stop you from doing in life, you need to stand up and go, no, I am going to be bold and I am going to be courageous. Why? Because God is with me. When you spot fear in your life, S-P-O-T, I want to give you four, four things without acrostic. When you spot fear in your life, number one, you need to stand your ground. Everyone say stand. Come on, stand your ground. Our natural response to fear is to recoil, to run, or to hide. Am I correct? To run, to recoil, or to hide. Earlier on in the story that I was talking about Joshua, in the book of Exodus, we see Moses, this amazing man of God. Moses answered the people. They were, uh, they were at the Red Sea to cross. And Moses turns to the million people that are exiting, exiting Egypt, and he says, do not be afraid. And they're like going, easy for you to say. They're going to have to kill us before they get to you. He says, do not be afraid, but he gives him the the statement. He says, stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. You only need to stand. Can I tell you oftentimes what happens is we don't stand in our resolve and courage with God. We recoil and we hide 
and we entertain and we make fear our company. We, we, let, we bring fear into our life and we go, well, no, this is just me being cautious. Can I tell you today, God is not a cautious God. God is a bold God. We need to stand. Everyone say stand. stand. Not only do we stand, we need to pray. The P is for pray. Pray for peace. Philippians chapter 4 says this, do not be anxious for anything, but in every situation by prayer. Everyone say by prayer. I don't know about you, but I've discovered in my life I pray far too little. Can I tell you that God loves our thank you, Jesus, for this food prayers? That God loves thank you as I lay my head on this pillow prayers? But can I tell you that God is a God of relationship? God is a God that desires to not just hear you talk, but he wants to talk to you. And prayer and conversation lasts a lot longer than a three-little-minute ditty. Prayer. Paul's writing says, don't be anxious for anything, but by prayer and petition and thanksgiving, this is a process. This is a repetition. This is something that we do. We get in the quiet place with God. And it comes and it says, and then, or and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts. This idea of praying for peace is coming and going, why, am I why do I have dis-ease in my life? Why am I uneasy? Why am I feeling fearful? Identifying it and targeting it with prayer. So stand and pray. The next one is to object to the lies. You have a choice to believe the lies of fear or believe the truth of God. Many of us don't believe the truth of God because we don't know the truth of God. Ouch, that should hurt. Many times I feel fear because I don't practice the truth of God in my life. I can't identify the scripture that I need to quote. Anybody else out there? Can I tell you, we got to know the truth more than we know fear. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 says, We demolish arguments and pretension, that's every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We've all watched the trial shows, have we not? And the attorneys are there and so witnesses on the stand and they ask a wrong question or the witness answers a wrong question and the attorney says what? I, come on, I, I, can I tell you what needs to happen in our brains is we need to come to a place and go, I object, I object. I'm not going to entertain this, I object. I'm going to stop, I object. Fear causes static in our life. You know, I have this wonderful little Hello Kitty Boombox up here. I can't go too far. I have a leash. Some of you are like going, what in the world is that? I felt like I needed to have my rocking chair and say, everyone under 20, would you come up and around and let me tell you a story? Once upon a time, there was a thing called a radio. We call this a boombox. And this radio had a little dial on it that changed channels. You're saying, what am I doing here? I want you to realize that fear is this in our life. Fear causes static. Anybody get irritated by static? Can I tell you that oftentimes you and I live with this ever-present static in our lives? I would even say whether I'm using the example of fear today, but it could be the very example of anger or any emotion that can create static in our lives. Someone is talking and that static gets irritating. They're going, would you just turn off the static? Can I tell you what happens in our society? Is we're so used to this. We've just allowed the static in our lives to overshadow anything else. 
And what God says to us, he says, if you want to get rid of the static, you've got to tune yourself in. Great song, right? The reality is this, this room is filled with radio waves. Without a radio, we're not going to pick up those waves. We're surrounded by signals. But on our humanity, fear comes and it triggers something and it fills our lives with static. And all we can hear is the static, the heavy breathing, someone's breathing. Did you hear that creak? Do you know what that diagnosis could mean? What's going to happen to our finances? Look what they're... Da, 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 da. I mean, we can go on and on and on and on. And God says, are you going to listen to the static? Or are you going to go, I object. I object. I object. It's time we go back to the testimony of the Word of God. I object. To stand, to pray, to object, and lastly is to trust. Everyone say trust. When I am afraid, Paul said, or David said, when I am afraid... I put my trust in you. When I am afraid, when? David's going, I'm going to feel fear. When I'm afraid, what am I going to do? Am I going to entertain the fear? Am I going to dwell on the fear? Am I going to live in the fear? No, David says, I'm going to put my trust in God. When I am afraid, regardless of what the fear might be, it might be a diagnosis that the doctor is sure that the diagnosis is there. But can I tell you this? God's word is always superior than any human's word. There's got to come back to a place to go, no, I'm going to trust in God. It goes on at the very end of this, is what can mere mortals do to me? And I ask you today, what can blank do to you? What is the worst thing that could happen in your life? And what if it does happen? Say, so Pastor Kevin, you're not making me feel good. I want you to realize today that if the very worst thing happens to you and you are a child of God, you have a better eternity than you have a better present. And what happens is you and I get so absorbed with this that we forget that we're living for that. Instead, we're living for this. And that's what's distracted us. That's why fear is so real. It's why we're allowing it to rob us of life because we have a better resolve on the other side. As I close, John chapter 14, before I read it, I can tell you this. I have had seasons of fear in my life. Fear that has been disabling. Fear that has robbed me of purpose. Fear that has unsettled followers around me. Oh, no, not you, Pastor Kevin. No, yeah, me, Kevin. How about you? Can you remember moments that fear were in your life that stopped you from doing something that you knew you were supposed to do? Do you remember those moments in high school when you knew that you were supposed to take a moral stand and you followed the group instead? Anybody guilty of that? And we had the fear of rejection, that if I stand up against my peers, what's going to happen? Can I tell you, today the Holy Spirit wants to stir in you a resolve to go, I object, I'm not going to succumb to fear. Jesus said this as he was getting ready to leave this planet. He said, peace, this idea of tranquility, completeness, settled assurance. Peace, I leave with you. Not just any peace. It's not just a peace that I'm creating. He says, it's actually my peace. 
My peace that I live in, this, my peace that I dwell in, my peace that I exist in, my peace, I'm going to give it to you, not as the world gives. The, world's, the world gives peace based upon circumstances. Right? He's, do I, he goes, I don't give them to you this way. He goes, do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. Don't let your heart be troubled. Fear's going to come. Fear's going to tr- come. The emotion of fear is going to be there. If it's a snake, run. If it's Satan, stand and fight. Do you hear me, church? It's time that we stand and we fight this thing called fear that's robbing you and I of purpose. God's purpose, God's destiny. These seats should be filled today. Oftentimes we're afraid to tell someone about Jesus because we're afraid of what they might think about us or what they might say about us or that they might say no. Maybe you're afraid because they might say yes. Can I tell you, there's got to come to a place that we go, what am I allowing fear to do in my life? What am I allowing it to rob me of? Would you stand to your feet as I pray this morning? Today, if you want freedom in your life from fear, would you just lift your hands across this room? You want freedom from fear. God, today, you see the transparency and the honesty of every person in this room. And God, today, we serve notice upon fear. Come on, say, I serve notice on fear. God, today, we don't step in the name of Kevin. We don't step in the name of of David. We don't step in the name of Rhonda. We step in the name of Jesus Christ, the one who shed his blood for us. And God, we come against a spirit of fear. Come on, church. We have the authority in the name of Jesus. Say, I bind the spirit of fear. Come on, I bind the spirit of fear. And in the name of Jesus, we cast down fear and every, every illogical thought and pattern that wants to overtake our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, God, today, we thank you that you're a God that does not banish us because we have a feeling of fear. But God, you tell us how to endure fear. And God, today, I pray as we have bound a spirit of fear, God, I pray for a boldness of courage. God, release courage this morning. Yes. Courage, that, that guts and boldness in the middle of fear. Fear is not absence. Trouble is not absent. It's a response when we see it, God, that you would give boldness and courage. God, when we might feel troubled, God, would you help us to respond not in running and hiding, but in standing in confidence. God, I pray for a body of believers God, that are bold and confident and courageous in the God that we serve. God, today, God, where there has been fear that has brought torment, God, there may be even those that are in this room that has brought so much torment, God, so much mental anguish, God, that, they are, that there, are, there is issues today in their body. God, I pray for healing in their bodies. I pray for healing in their minds. God, I pray, God, I pray against anxiety-ridden, God, that has taken place over, this, over our land. God, I bind where anxiety has produced depression in the name of Jesus. God, I pray for every form of mental illness and mental anguish. Come on, church, in the name of Jesus. God, I pray today, would you set free in the name of Jesus. 
Come on, church, set free in the name of Jesus. God, we receive freedom today in the name of Jesus. God, today I know that there's freedom in this room. But God, tomorrow, an hour from now, five minutes from now, God, we can entertain and we've got to be determined to stand. God, we've got to be determined to pray. We've got to be determined to object to. God, we've got to be determined to trust you. God, I thank you today that you are a God that loves us and is trustworthy. God, we thank you for emotions, even the tension that they bring. God, teach us. Help us to be better, I pray. Everyone said amen, amen. If you're here today and you need prayer, we have our prayer team that's coming. Maybe they would pray with you about about fear. Maybe you need someone to lay hands on you. We believe in the power of prayer. If you're with us, make sure you connect with someone. If you're new, if you're not new here and you see someone new, would you connect with them? We love having you. See you next Sunday. God bless. Have an amazing week. Here at Relevant Life Church, it's our mission to see people connect with God, relate to one another, and reach our world. This single statement drives everything we do as a church. Our hope is that today you were encouraged in this Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.